TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner of the world, the Jewish world especially, is paying attention to what's happening in Ukraine. Between two and 300,000 Jews have resided recently in Ukraine. Many of them have left to Israel as one destination. And the real challenge is not just getting them out, it's also what you do with them once they get outside, especially to Israel. Abe Biederman joins us. He's co-chairman of Shuvu with Yossi Hach. Uh, he's involved in the Jewish community, many different Jewish organizations, but Shuvu is certainly his pet project. It was formed in 1990 by Rav Palm, I believe it was 30-some years ago, to help a million Jews that actually came to Israel. Today, they boast 6,000 students in 70 schools around the country. They have a budget of $30 million. Abe, uh, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And uh, it was in 1990, once the Iron Curtain fell, uh, Rapam pleaded passionately that we have to do something now for all these Jews who never had a chance to find out what they meant to be Jewish. Uh, and now is our chance to, with the coming to Israel, is a chance to teach them what they're, about their heritage, which many of them had an amazing heritage, is going back there, there, decades and decades. But of course, in the, the 70 years during the Iron Curtain, you know, everything was lost. And, you know, the first people who came out of uh, the uh, former Soviet Union, including the Ukraine, Never heard of Moshe Rabbeinu. They never heard of the Sarah Sazibros. They didn't know what the average non-Jew knows in America. And uh, they came to the first Seder that year. And like when they talked about Matthias Matrayim, this was all news to them. And they never knew anything about it. So Rapham said, we, if we don't do something, we, we, we it will be a major catastrophe for Klai Yisrael. And so he formed Shuvu at the end of uh, 1990 as the immigration was in full force. And Baruch Hashem, 32 years later, we, we tens of thousands of children have learned about Yiddishkeit and, and got, got closer to Yiddishkeit because of Shuvu. And now we're seeing the second Aliyah, not as big as the first one for sure, but we may have a government of Israel expecting about 100,000 Jews to come to Israel over the next few months. Now, many of them already left the country and they're in various uh, places like Poland, Moldova, Hungary, Romania, waiting to be processed to go to Israel. And we are reaching out to them as they come into the country. We are saying, hey, now is your chance to learn about Yiddishkeit in the Eretz Israel. And we're going to the airports to meet them at the airports. We're going to the hotels to meet them at the hotels where the government is putting them. And we're introducing them to the Shubu school system where many of the teachers speak Russian and many of the students are often second generation uh, immigrants, but still speak Russian at home. And, and so they feel right at home that they need a place where they can be comfortable, where they feel wanted and needed, and where they feel, you know, they're finally coming home to the, where they belong. I mean, they're coming traumatized because in many cases they're coming without their spouses because the husbands are not allowed to leave if they're between 18 and 60. They have to, they have to stay back and fight. So there's a women alone, often with some two or three children, and with one suitcase. That's all they let them out with, and, and so. 
they, all of a sudden they come to a super school, they, they came to a Purim party. And all this music and dancing and we're celebrating them. And they feel like they're back home. And they feel the way they should feel. And we're rising to the challenge. And it's a major challenge because we're taught about what it means to be Jewish. And that's what we've been doing for 32 years in a welcoming, friendly environment, no pressure, but knowledge and love. And, and, and it's working, Baruch Hashem, and, and turning a major part of the, of the Russian community and now the Ukrainian community into people who are proud of being Jewish and know it needs to be Jewish and learning about Yiddishkeit. Now, obviously, this is very extensive. Uh, we have a $30 million budget already, a lot of which is paid by the Israeli government. But uh, now we're raising millions of dollars more for all the new immigrants that we hope to get over the next few months. And we actually have a charity campaign going on right now, which is charity, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y, charity.com uh, and slash Shuvu Ukraine. And whoever goes on that website can see that people already contributed and hopefully they will join that motion, the effort. We have to do two things. One, we have to save them, get them out of the country, and B, make them welcome as Jews when they come to Eretz Yisrael. And we're, we're, we're primarily focused on the second part. There are other organizations that are focused on the rescue part, getting them out of the country where they're obviously in great danger. But now, once they come to Eretz Yisrael, what then? So the government, of course, is going to provide them with Hopefully, over time, with housing and, and, and whatever, and some of their material needs, help them to get new jobs and careers. But we are helping them find out what it means to be Jewish. And we've been doing this for over 30 years. It was a Tom's inspiration. And, then he, and I know that he's looking down at Shemayim and saying, we're having, now we're having a second chance with a new Aliyah, and we have to rise to that challenge. No, it certainly is a challenge, and I'm just curious because you mentioned something, and uh, first of all, the family's coming to Israel, and some of them are broken up because they don't let, they don't let men between 18 and 60 years of age, I believe, from leaving, so it's more difficult for them. You also have, from what I understand, and I never knew this until recently, you have a lot of orphans also in the Ukraine. Um, and I assume some of them will come to Israel. Some of them are going to be traumatized. So in addition to helping them spiritually, I think you're going to probably also have to deal with some of the psychological issues. We're dealing with that as well. We have psychologists at our schools, and we, we deal you know, with normal psychological issues for, uh, with a system of 6,000 children. But we have many who are Russian-speaking. and give these children comfort. Right now, what they need to be made to feel like they're wanted. And that, and in a loving environment. And you know, on the website, you can see some of the videos, and you'll see some of the dancing and singing. Where we welcome them, and they're not used to being welcomed because they were used to being chased. They were being chased out of the country. They're at the border. They, everything is confusing and horrifying. And you know, that a few weeks ago they had a home, now they have nothing. And uh, we show them the love and the care that they need in a language that they understand, because we have many Russian-speaking teachers, even Russian-speaking principals, and many, many students, and of course their parents speak Russian, and so they'll feel very, very at home in the Shuvu system, and we're reaching out to them every moment of every day. We have students coming into schools in Natanya, in Nofagalil, which is formerly called Natseret, in, in Ashdod, in Rehovot, in Yerushalayim, and we're, we're in 21 cities, and uh, they'll be coming to many of those cities, and we're there to greet them. And uh, we, we are proud of what we're doing, and we need the help of all of Kali's to make it happen. 
Now, you mentioned 100,000 Jews from Ukraine are expected to come to Israel over the next number of months, which is not as big as 1 million in 1990, but certainly a large amount of people. So will that put a strain on Shuvu's system and budget? Because right now you're still dealing with Russians that are in Israel right now, and now 100,000 more are coming in. So walk us through what you're going to have to do, how you're going to have to expand, how you're going to deal with this exodus with new people coming in. Okay, so we're, we're doing a charity drive right now. We'll also have a dinner next Sunday, a week from tomorrow, um, and people who can come and uh, contribute, um, I, I ask to call the Shuva office either today or t- even tonight or tomorrow or any time this week at 718-692-3434, and we'll be glad to welcome at the dinner. We'll be raising funds, some of which will be used for that purpose, as well as our existing budget. And But the average intake um, is, is about $2,500 per child, for, and that covers... The, uh, meeting them, greeting them, helping them, as well as covering their tuition costs, their transportation costs, their lunches, the, the costs that are not paid for by the government. That's about $2,500 a child. And obviously there are people who have been generous enough to contribute to sponsor one child. That's a big obligation for most people, but some people can do it. And again, they go on the website at uh, charitywithad.com, Ukraine, and they can contribute as much as they can so that we can meet the challenge, but we're not shirking from our obligation. We know that we have to, we, it's not, we're not saying, hey, uh, we, we can't wait, we can wait till we get the money. We, we, we can't. We're doing, every children are coming every day, parents are coming every day. So we're reaching out, we're doing our best, and we know that Barisha uh, will be with us and Claudia Shaw will be with us. No, it certainly is a challenge of when you have this amount of people and money. Now, let me ask you this. I would assume with inflation here in America and in Israel, would the cost be going up? Because everything is more expensive today because of the supply chain. The number you gave, is that a current number or do you expect it to be more because that's, of these That's factors? a current number. That's a current number. The number used to be about 1800 but with other costs that we need for these children – that's about two and a half thousand dollars. Now again, that's not the total cost because part, many parts of the budget are paid for by the government. That's the incremental cost for these children, which for instance, they, the government doesn't pay for their transportation or their have lunch or some of the outreach efforts and, and the psychological help in many cases, not all cases will the government pay for it. So that $2,500 is a reasonable estimate of what it costs right as we speak to sponsor a child or to sponsor part of a budget for a child, but so overall, if we take in a thousand children, which we hope to do in the next few months, hopefully more, uh, that of course is about two, an extra two and a half million dollars to our budget. But we know that we have to do it. I mean, I'm a, I was a Talmud of Rafam Zatzal. This is my co-chairman, Jesse uh, Hach. We both learned by Rafam, and he both it gave us that obligation that we can't shirk from our responsibilities. We can't look at it as only as a financial question. It's a really a question of saving Yiddish and Shamas to make sure that now they're in well, they know what the Vaishwam is all about, what Kalisol is all about, what and what they can how they can contribute and, and that's what we're doing. And you have quite a bit of people that have gone through the system in the last 30 years, so that's an amazing. Uh, we're speaking with A. Beeman, who's co-chairman of Shuvu with Yossi Hach. Shuvu was created in 1990. 
and that period of time there was about a million Jews that came from the former Soviet Union into Israel. Today, Shuvu boasts 6,000 students in 70 schools around the country. Their budget is $30 million, and now they're expecting 100,000 Jews from Ukraine to come to the to Israel, which means that they're going to have their work cut out for them over the next uh, number of months. And you were now saying we have so- children, we have people, we, have, we sent out our teachers and our principals even at the airport to the hotels to tell them, hey, you're in Israel now, here's what your opportunities are. But some of them had very limited knowledge, uh, even in today's Ukraine, of what Yiddish Hajj is all about. Some of them have a little more. But many, most, very few do, and um, and now's their chance. And, and you know, but the fact that the coming to Israel suggests that they, you know, something they care about something, and that we're going to tell them what it, what, it, what it's all about. So, and we're going to do part of that, that you know, raise fundraising and knowledge uh, at the dinner next Sunday. Uh, you can also go on the website at Shuvu USA. That's S H U V U U S A dot org slash dinner. For those who want to come and contribute and listen to Gedalia Yisrael, our leadership now is Rabbi Ruben Feinstein Schlitter and Rabbi Elia Brudney Schlitter. They're both uh, very, very close uh, uh, associates of Rapan. Rabbi Brudney was a Talmud of Rapan. We were actually in Yeshiva together. And they really have picked up the burden, helping us raise the funds and helping us inspire us to do what we have to do at this moment. You know, this, and this is an occasion we haven't had for 30 years, and who knows if we'll ever have it again, and uh, the world is so uh, tumultuous at this point. And by the way, it's not only coming from the Ukraine, but, but the situation in Russia is obviously in, distri- in distress. Many uh, Jews who are there have decided, that even though they didn't make Aliyah till now, now is the time. And so we're seeing influx from, not from the Ukraine, of course, primarily, but also from the, from the Soviet Union, and we expect that to continue. So... Eretz has become the Kibbutz Goliath is here in Eretz and uh, we're doing our part. We're trying to do our part with Claudius Saul's help to make sure that we accept all those who are interested and want to know about Yiddishkeit, and we're going to continue that mandate that we got from our Rebbe. You know, you said something interesting, Abe, that Jews, it's not just Jews from Ukraine, the Jews from Russia itself are leaving for whatever the reason is. They feel things are changing. They're afraid of what's going to happen there. So do we have any idea of how many Jews from Russia may end up in Israel? Uh, Honestly, not yet, because uh, it's just beginning. You know, I think at the beginning they weren't directly affected. They weren't affected like the Ukrainians were. They weren't uh, bombed out of their homes or anything like that. But there's no question that there's a, a growing sense of dissatisfaction of uh, what's going on in, in Russia. And so uh, the experts, and I'm not one of them, say that there'll be tens of thousands coming from the former Soviet Union as well, uh, because now they realize that um, if they want to live in a country that cares about people, uh, they want to be in Israel. And so, and, and the doors are open. You know, the Israeli government, uh, of course, lets in everybody who qualifies under the law of return. And it's not like uh, what happened, unfortunately, to our brethren and our parents, uh, you know, 70, 80 years ago when all the doors were closed. The doors are at well are open. They're open to Ukrainians. They're open to Russians. And when they come, we'll be there to greet them. No, which is so important. Now, 
explain to me one thing. You know, when people come from, whether it's Russia or going to come from Ukraine, you have to, and you say a lot of them have no knowledge. They have no idea what Aleph Bays is, what Shabbos is. They have no idea about Judaism, about Yiddishkeit. Is it a tough sell to get them to say, let me send our, our children to a Jewish school? It's not a tough sell because they're going into schools that have, in many cases, actual cousins or like cousins. So that, you know, they go to schools where, you know, they'll be, they'll move into a neighborhood and they'll find out that they're around the corner. There are several people from the former Soviet Union and they basically speak the same language. It's Ukrainian and Russia, all Ukrainians also speak Russian. And all of a sudden they're saying, hey, we love the school. We like these, uh, the teachers there, we like the atmosphere there, we like the loving attention they get there. And so they, um, they said, you know, so if we have the resources, they'll come. And, and once they're in the school, the teachers are so dedicated and have so much love and appreciation for what they're doing that they um, that they will, you know, guide the children. It, we, our motto is, you have this loan them by have it. We, we teach Judaism with love. And so that we're not telling them now that the next day that you can't uh, do anything that uh, you might have done over the last 10 or 15 years. We're telling them, we start teaching them. And little by little, they, they and as they learn more, they bring their parents into the fold. And the parents who, in some cases, know very little at all about Yiddish type, all of a sudden here, their children are keeping Shabbos, they're, watch, they're keeping kosher. You know, in the beginning, children might come to school with uh, a salami and butter sandwich. But after a while, they realize you can't do that. And then they explain to the parents that this is not the sandwich that you can make me. And on Shabbos, we can't go to the beach. We have to, uh, we have to stay home and we have to uh, work Shabbos and have a Shabbos meal. And little by little, the, the love permeates not just the children, but their parents. And that's what you has been all about. And that's why this campaign is so critical. Uh, again, at um, charitywithad.com slash Shuvu Ukraine. And they can learn more about the effort. They'll see some of the pictures of the parents coming and the love that they're getting from us, which is, um, which is what we were taught to do. Now, I mentioned that you have 6,000 students in 70 schools around the country. Now, the parents of certain are important roles, so the kids bring in the parents. But talk to me for a few minutes, Abe, about what you do as far as getting the parents more involved in Yiddishkeit, too. Well, we have, we have major programs for the parents. First of all, it starts with the children, and the children come home, and they'll, they'll come home with their homework, and the homework might talk about the Pasha, they might talk about Shabbos, and, and you know, and, they, and instead of the parent helping the child with the homework, it be the child teaching the parent about what's going on and, and saying the a dry Torah on Shabbos, maybe very light. And then after a while, we, we have after-school programs where we invite the parents to come in and they speak to the teachers, and they have special, you have Shabbat homes where we invite parents and children to come. And experience Shabbos in the Frum community. We take them to various Frum cities in New York, in Israel, like Nebrak and Yerushalayim, and they see what Yiddishkeit is about firsthand, which they may never have seen before. And after a while, not every parent, of course, but many, many, many say, hey, we like this. This is, makes sense. This is what our grandparents and great parents were all about. I mean, many of our children are descendants of the biggest tzaddikim that lived 100 years ago. Don't forget, Ukraine was a farm, was a, where Hasidus was formed, or whether it was in Mezhevich, or the Barshemta was, or Badichev, or of course in Uman. And the, in, in, in most cases, the great-grandparents of these 
the children or the great-great-grandparents were Orthodox from Jews, but then everything was shut down with the former Soviet Union. And now the parents are getting reunited. And some of them have pictures of their great-grandparents with, with beers and, 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 and mothers that look like they were traditional. And now they begin to realize what that all means. And so they're not in all cases, but in many cases, they're really happy and proud to be brought back into the fold. But I'm sure you have, must have many challenges because if you go through so life with being an atheist or not being opposed to religion, you have your work cut out. It's not like all of a sudden they come and say, I want it. You have to, like you said, show love and take time and effort to bring them into the fold. And it doesn't happen overnight. Absolutely. But the fact that they want to come to Israel gives you already a little head start because some of them say, no, we only want to go to Germany or other countries like that. So those are the ones that are probably least interested, but the ones that come to Israel also need a lot of coaching and development. But um, that they made the critical first step, and we're there to uh, bring them along. And with the help of all Kaddish, so hopefully joining in this effort, it's a unique challenge for not just for Shuvu, but it's a unique challenge for all Jews. You know, a lot of people say, like, um, what was what were American Jews doing in 1939? And of course, now they're rising to the challenge. They're at the borders, helping with the rescue and every giving money for that. And the second part is bringing them to Israel and now teaching them what it means to be Jewish. And all those, all kinds of should really be participating in this effort, and hopefully many will. Well, which is what uh, you're we're encouraging people to do because you have a dinner coming up, and you also have a campaign. And I, I think the campaign was probably started even before the Ukrainian crisis. You have the dinner coming up. So now it's, it takes on a sense of urgency because when you have 100,000 people going to be coming in, that's a tremendous amount of number, not as big as 1 million in the 1990, but certainly that's a tremendous number and a tremendous challenge and a tremendous strain on resources, and you have to have a much more feet on the ground, so to speak, to deal with it. So shoot was done, it's so you already experienced but it certainly is going to be a change of pace for the Shuvu organization in Israel. And it's a great opportunity for Shuvu and a great opportunity for Kalyasrol as well. And uh, we hope everybody will participate. Let's give Again, out the charity.com slash Shuvu Ukraine or for dinner reservation 718-692-3434. You didn't say so, where the dinner is. Where is the dinner taking place? It's in Bell Works, which is in New Jersey. It's uh, absolutely beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, we're actually making the dinner relatively affordable, and uh, obviously people can give more. So we're trying to attract as many people as possible. So it's roughly uh, an hour from uh, Brooklyn, and about half an hour from Lakewood and other cities in New Jersey. So it's relatively accessible to all. And tomorrow, uh, we don't know yet what the weather will be next Sunday. But we hope it'll be a nice weather, and so it should be a pleasant trip and a wonderful opportunity and a wonderful inspiration when you get there. No, certainly, and I urge people to help Shuvu. It was started by Ralph Palm of Blessed Memories, and it's there to help because part of the problem was we said let our people go, let my people go, but we also have to educate them because a lot of them even came to America they came to um, Israel. In America, you know, there was more of a challenge. In Israel, at least you had an infrastructure that you were able to help and educate them. And how many, Abe, how many people have gone through Shuvu in the last 32 years? 
it's pro probably close to 50,000. Um, and, um, and many of them now are teaching in our schools. So it's, it, and, and we even have principals that went through our system. So when they came to Israel, they didn't know anything. Like I said, they wouldn't know who Moshe Rabbeinu was. But now they're not only, uh, teachers, but they're actually principals running large school systems and, uh, hundreds of children under their, uh, responsibility. And they've certainly risen to the challenge themselves and are, are very much wonderful role models for the children as well. Before I let you go, I know you have 70 schools around the country. With the new influx, we have to add more schools? Well, we we don't know yet. We'll see. Uh, no, we can add. It's easier to add classrooms to existing schools in most major cities. So I don't think there's going to be a problem. We, you know, but you might have to add classrooms. You might have to add a wing to a building. Uh, you know, or you might have to just, you know, increase the class size from, let's say, 25 to 30 in some classes or 30 to 35. So all of those things will be dealt with, on a, you know, each school separately. But over time, if the, the influxes are tremendous, they will probably new, need new school buildings or additional school buildings. But all in the same ages and the same areas that we're in already because we're really pretty much all over every major city in Israel. All the way up north to Akko, down down to Beersheba, and across the whole middle of the country, from July and Tel Aviv, Rehovo, Rishon LeZion, we're all over the place. And we have uh, big schools, and the particular school alone is almost 900 children. Wow. And so we're really, and that's a boys' high school, a girls' high school, uh, elementary schools, and the children are coming out of there. You, it's amazing, amazing what the, what a, a tremendous influence Shubo has on them, and they in turn on their families, and then in turn on their next generation as well. So I would assume. So right, thank you very much. You're getting the thank second. Thank you very much for making uh, um, making your station available for us, and I hope your readers, uh, of which are many, will be inspired and realize that this is a challenge not for us, just for us, but for them as well. So I want to thank you, Abe Biederman, and the co-chairman of Shuvu, together with Yossi Hach. And as you heard, uh, they were originally created in 1990 by Rav Palm of Blessed Memory, to help the million-plus Jews that came in. They came in secular, not knowing anything about Judaism, about Yiddishkeit. And this was done to help them spiritually and help them grow in that endeavor. Today, as you heard us say a few times, 6,000 students in 70 schools around the country. Their budget $30 million, but with 100,000 Jews from Ukraine and Russia expected to come the next number of months, their challenge is only just beginning now to help deal with the new situation on the ground. The dinner is coming up a week from Sunday. And there is a, currently a campaign on charity. So before I let you go, I just give out the information one more time, both regarding the dinner and how people can contribute. Okay. The dinner is next Sunday at 530 in, in Bellworks. Uh, the number to call is 718-692-3434. There are actually people standing by now or they can call tomorrow. And the uh, online campaign is charity with a D dot com uh, slash Shuvu Ukraine. And let's give out so that phone number just to many, many people. Then let's give out that phone number one more time. 718-692-3434. Hey, Beaver, thank you for joining us. Look forward to having you back. And continue success with Shuvu and then your mission to help educate our people coming in from Ukraine and Russia to Israel. And thank you for all the wonderful work that you do as well. Thank you. Good. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
one of the most important Jewish institutions in the world today is talk line with Zeb Brana. He is so smart and he is so innovative and he has so many interesting guests. I don't know what Yiddishkeit, I don't know what New York, I don't know what the world would do without Zeb. So Zeb, Yashikoch, may you go from strength to strength and keep keep informing us and educating us and keep fighting for Jewish values. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, hawklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the talklinenetwork.com. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.